Welcome to this week's Fit for Purpose podcast. I think we've got a really important podcast this week because we often talk about leveling up in the context of places as well as people. And often that's been a discussion maybe about the North of England, but the reality is for the UK more broadly, leveling up matters in all sorts of parts of our country. And that includes Northern Ireland, which I think most people will know often when we get to downturn faces its own distinct challenges and that's why it's fantastic that on this podcast we'll be talking to Paula Graham who's head of learning engagement and engagement but at Northern Ireland Water so this is the big utility company that makes sure the taps can stay on the people who live in Northern Ireland and does lots more besides. So it's brilliant to have them part of the levelling up goals work, but also really important because this is, is a much wider agenda than just the North of England. And I think we'll hear about why this matters so much um, to Northern Ireland. But welcome, Paula. I mean, perhaps tell us a little bit about your role, but also the role of Northern Ireland Water. Um, obviously, I think most people have got a basic idea, but it goes a bit further than just keeping the taps turned on with water, doesn't it? It certainly does, Justine, and thank you for having me today. I'm delighted to be part of this, so I'll start by saying that. But yes, um, Northern Ireland Water, um, we are a government-owned company and the sole supplier of water and wastewater services to Northern Ireland. So what that means in practice is that we are responsible for delivering 575 million litres of drinking water and treating 340 million litres of wastewater to 2 million people across Northern Ireland every single day. And so it is an essential service. Um, our strap line is delivering what matters. And I think that probably says it all, really, because every aspect of life in Northern Ireland depends on the provision of clean, safe drinking water and the management of wastewater to safeguard health. It underpins our economic growth and helps us protect our environment. So it rains a lot here in Northern Ireland and understand people tend to think that we have a plentiful supply of water therefore but it does require a lot of work and there's a lot of science behind it before it can be safely consumed and returned to the environment so to achieve that it takes an army of hugely skilled and committed people so we in Northern Ireland Water employ close to 1400 people across Northern Ireland in multiple hubs um, and offices and across a range of disciplines so that that's from our engineers who look after the infrastructure to our scientists in our labs that are testing and treating the water, to our frontline operational workforce who are out and about in all weathers 24-7 to maintain supply. But then we also have our data scientists, our analytic experts, our environmental and climate experts. We have a large customer service team, a huge finance and regulatory function to name um, but a few. So a very multidisciplinary workforce. And although we all play different roles, ultimately we are one big team working together to deliver an essential service across Northern Ireland. And there is a great sense of pride and duty in the essential role that we play in Northern Ireland. Um, we're also one of the biggest landowners in Northern Ireland and one of the largest of electricity. So that really puts us in a, in a kind of unique position and we view ourselves as privileged custodians, therefore, of our natural environment. So we're working hard to help society decarbonize and restore biodiversity um, across a, a number of different initiatives, such as building more renewables on our land, opening a network mm -hmm. fuel stations, planting one million trees, restoring our peat bogs. So we have a huge environmental and climate agenda 
but also we have a responsibility to educate the water conservatives of the future. So we do also have a dedicated education team, um, which I'll talk about a little bit further. And they're responsible for delivering our key environmental messages of water efficiency, plastic pollution, Bagot and Bennett, to close to 40,000 primary school children every year via our water bus mobile classroom. And then also we believe in giving back to the communities that we serve and we also boast one of the, the largest corporate volunteering schemes in Northern Ireland, our Cares Challenge programme. And through that we support hundreds of Northern Ireland water colleagues with time off to help a broad range of charities and causes that are close to their heart and really leave things better than, than we find them. And so clearly for, for Northern Ireland Water, you've got this much broader sense of what you're doing that goes well beyond, if you like, the water provision and sure. dealing with sewage. Yeah. How does the values within, within the company, tell us a little bit about those, but also, you know, my reflection on all of those very different roles is just how broad a yeah. skills, yeah. you know, need that the organisation has. I think sometimes people might think, that you need to just be an engineer to work at Northern yep. Ireland Water, but actually it's so much wider than that. What would you describe the culture and that that breadth of opportunities as looking like? Yeah, I mean, I, I am relatively new myself in Northern Ireland Water terms. Um, we have very long tenure here. Um, it is a very secure job and people tend to stay. It's also a great place to work. So that has an impact there, but I'm relatively new myself. And what I observe about Northern Ireland Water is you know, there, as I said, there is such a clear sense of purpose here. There is such a clear sense of customer delivering for our customers and just a very strong sense of team that everyone pulls together to really um, deliver, deliver exceptional levels of performance for our customers. Um, but it's a bit of a hidden gem in Northern Ireland, um, unless it was only before when I came to work here that I actually realized the breadth of the different roles that we actually have here. Northern Water, what it takes to actually deliver our essential services is much more than what is apparent to people. Um, and that's one of our agendas now is to try and kind of promote careers in STEM, science, technology, engineering and maths at a much broader scale um, and also try and um, address gender imbalances within STEM, which we definitely, definitely see within our own organisation as well. But you know, our values are basically the how, how we do business, and we try and hold ourselves through those to the highest standards of professional behaviour and how we go about our day-to-day -day work, how we treat each other. And they are like the common narrative for all of us. And they are customer, putting the heart, putting customers at the heart of everything that we do. Mm -hmm. Excellence, striving for world-class performance, being the best that we can possibly be. Integrity and building trust by operating ethically respect, valuing people for who they are and the contributions they bring, and sustainability, delivering our services in a responsible and environmentally sustainable manner. And therefore, you know, we, we entered into the levelling up agenda um, to help us really build on those values and help us maximise the positive social impact that we make on the communities that we serve through driving economic growth um, through our apprenticeship academies or entry-level academies, providing really important job and development opportunities for Northern Ireland, improving social mobility through those opportunities and ensuring that they're accessible to all, educating mm -hmm. water conservators of the future through our water bus and our education team. And, and that helps all of us. That's a win-win for everyone in Northern Ireland. Because and how, just in terms of the schools, how do you work out which ones to go to? So, so are you targeting particular communities and, and how do the, the, the children presumably respond really positively to, to yeah. seeing your staff and the teams? 
Yeah, it's very funny. Um, we have uh, our water bus is booked up a year in advance. That's how popular this service is. And what what happens on the water bus for people who are listening? Oh, it's great. Um, so we have two education officers, and it's a mobile classroom. So it's it's um, mm-hmm. in I water brand, and it's a huge bus, an actual physical bus. But it's a mobile science lab, if you like, and they take the water bus. It comes to the school and the kids will come on board. So it's a double decker bus and they'll come on board and they do science experiments. So it's aligned to their school curriculum under the world around us. Um, And it's really designed to teach those citizens of the future about the value of water as a precious resource. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk about that. We talk about, you know, just because you turn on the tap and there is a plentiful supply, it doesn't mean that we that we don't have to look after it. So we teach conservation techniques that they can try at home like turning off the tap when you're brushing your teeth taking showers instead of baths and just encouraging them from early age to make good choices for the environment but it also teaches them on the water cycle so we do where water comes from and the science behind it so that's what i'm saying we we do our we show them like a little presentation we do quizzes it's very interactive we get them to get their hands dirty and do some experiments and in many instances we find then that the kids go back and teach their parents what they've learned and you can't underestimate the power of pester power if you've ever tried to say no to a five-year-old so believe me you know we can we're in a unique position through this to try and affect change not just for ourselves but for the good of society and future generations and if we can drive that sustainable change from an early age we ensure genetic supply for everybody um it helps support our natural environment and it just helps to create a better future for the communities we serve and presumably you're also really inspiring some of those children and they'll go on and yeah. and end up becoming the apprentices that you you take on you know exactly. in the years to come and, and it's probably worth just talking a little bit about your apprenticeship program and and how you run that and and how many you've got actually yeah certainly um so even th- throughout lockdown we have actually this year we've recruited 51 new apprentices and we're very proud of that you know um, we have continued to grow. We have continued to recruit. Um, we have continued to provide those much needed employment opportunities, even despite the, the global pandemic. And our apprenticeship strategy is, is a key part in the contribution and the economic contribution that we make to Northern Ireland. But it helps us ensure that we're fit for the future. Um, it's, it's key to our succession plan and strategy um, through recruiting, training, developing and retaining top talent. So we offer apprentice, apprenticeships in a number of disciplines. Um, and it's a pretty competitive value proposition because um, we support degree and both, both degree and non-degree pathways. Um, mm-hmm. We give our apprentices support towards the cost of driving lessons to help them, you know, as we say, get in the driving seat of their career. So we will subsidize their driving lessons and help them get, get their actual driving lesson. We will put them mm-hmm. through qualification so they'll come out of their four-year apprenticeship um, very well qualified and they'll have all of their professional qualifications within the relevant discipline they can move on there's a fast track top-up option to move on to a degree but more importantly I suppose they get excellent training and development and there's a career path for them we don't just bring them in and and they kind of stay at one level there is a a really structured career path aligned to our apprenticeships so there's excellent Mm -hmm prospects in an area and a career and a job that really matters and interestingly um we've changed our approach to how we recruit for apprentices to really try and tackle gender imbalances within stem i was going to ask you about that because it's it's a it's a long-standing challenge isn't it and i guess it is you know for the water sector as as others that are very engineering dominated there's 
there's a sort of historical bias um, where you see a lot more men going into it. What are some of the things that Northern Ireland Water is doing to try and redress that? So um, there, there's a lot of things that we have done. Um, so, for example, the, we have changed how we recruit. Um, for our for our, for our year apprenticeship recruitment um, has changed completely um, to help to track attract an increasing number of females um, into you know what has typically been male dominated roles um, so we, we we've done a number of things so first of all um, we've increased our use of female imagery in our recruitment campaigns intentionally mm -hmm. supporting the belief you know if you can't see it you can't be it and we want to provide those visible role models to other females and girls and promote STEM career careers in STEM for girls. So we've been using some of the brilliant female talent that we have here and really showcasing them, shining light on them. Um, these are actually, we don't use models, you know, we don't use um, you know, stock imagery. Our, our campaigns feature our actual people um, within NI Water. Um, so we're really trying to um, represent them visually through the use of female imagery. We've also changed our approach to apprenticeship screening and how, how we recruit. We've actually changed the performance factors that we use to level mm -hmm. feel for female applicants. But what, what, what I mean by that, Justine, is that we've moved away from using tests such as maths, spatial awareness and mechanical tests, more towards tests that, that um, assess error detection aptitude for learning, interpersonal skills and advanced reasoning, that ability to process and follow and evaluate arguments logically. And that really enables a more rounded view of the candidate and the qualities that they could bring. And through that, we have seen that that has helped and enabled female candidates to perform well throughout the process. And through that, those changes that we've made, we have that has resulted in over 17% of this year's class, apprenticeship class, being females. And that compares to none in the previous year. So we're seeing real results with this. And just, I mean, just going back to, to both that and the community stuff, because in the end, these are people from outside the organization that you are effectively trying to develop those relationships with. Yeah. How difficult has it been to keep all of that going during COVID? Have you had to move stuff online? How have you approached making sure that it hasn't disrupted all of that great work that you do? Yeah, I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. Like most organizations, um, COVID, COVID has impacted every aspect of our business and probably changed how we do business forever. Um, and so due to the essential nature of our service, for example, all of our staff are classified as essential workers throughout the pandemic. And our service became even more essential and in demand following the government advice that hand washing was the, the first line of defense against the virus spread and the demand for water uh, increased significantly. And I think not just our apprentices, but, you know, we, we have a very diverse workforce. Our offices, we have industrial and non-industrial. And in March 2020, when the pandemic hit, our offices were federated into the homes of our 775 office-based staff. Whilst our 563 frontline workers continued to work hard in their hubs yeah. and, their, and their sites yeah. across the length and breadth of Northern Ireland to maintain supply to hospitals, care homes, businesses and for the protection of public health. So we had the challenge of practically and emotionally supporting um, our office-based workers to, to make that transition work pretty much overnight. At the same time, facing the challenges to maintain a safe working environment for our frontline staff who, could, who can't do their jobs from home. Um, so we did a range of things um, to make sure that we were looking after our people. And that was job number one, putting the care for our people front and center in a COVID response. 
we did a number of things like um, we changed our listening strategies completely. Mm-hmm. We moved over to Pulse surveys. We were using a big annual engagement survey, but we decided we need a more agile and regular two-way listening strategy here to understand what our people needed and wanted from us. So over mm-hmm. the of COVID, we introduced those COVID surveys. We introduced frontline focus groups to really try and get under the skin of our frontline workers and really ask them, look, what do you need from us from a health and wellness perspective, from a safety perspective, from um, a communications perspective? Um, so that those listening strategies really help to get the feedback that informed our COVID response. But practically as well, we also faced a challenge as, as, as lockdown as schools closed during lockdown, and that greatly mm-hmm. affected our ability to reach our schools groups, you know, our water bus. So our education team had to think of new and innovative ways to continue to deliver their messages in a safe and effective manner and reach those kids and those teachers. So in response, we used a range of digital platforms, particularly our website and social media channels, um, to continue to engage with schools, pupils and parents. Um, We developed a range of online lessons and online resources and video learning lessons for both school and home learning. And we actually also established a Water Wizards um, Mm -hmm. club. Um, which I think the parents were particularly happy about because we were all... What's Water Wizards then? It's an after-schools club um, ran by our education team for kids. Yeah. Come on. And particularly in lockdown, you know, we weren't able to go out to the schools. So it was a way of then kind of coming online and delivering what we would normally deliver on the water Mm -hmm. um, in an after-schools club. But again, it kind of helped the parents as well that were struggling with homeschooling because here was an hour of their time after school where they were about science they were learning about environmental aspects but the parents weren't having to to teach them the parents weren't taking the responsibility and the lead on that so that's something that we actually pioneered in and lockdown. will you keep that online approach in place now we're sort of beyond covid is that the plan i think we'll do a mix of both i think what it, what it has taught us is um definitely there is a move now towards practices changed how we do business has changed completely mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that we'll ever go back to the way it was done before um, completely. I think more blended approaches. More di- uh, so whether it's the community outreach or whether it's hybrid working for yeah. Northern Ireland water staff, all of it will have this balance to it now that it didn't have before. Exactly, exactly. Our apprenticeship was another example. Um, we were due, we recruited a class of, uh, in, our, in our operational area of 30 and they were due to start in January this year and we had a we had a great three-month book camp camp, um, planned for them it was going to happen at our learning development center in Antrim it was going to be great and then we went into lockdown again just after Christmas um, and we had to change our approach within days there's another where we had to pivot you know we, we couldn't bring 30 people into the office we had to close down our learning and development center so we had to switch completely over to digital platforms for to to, to deliver that three-month boot camp mm-hmm. over virtually all the while ensuring that it was still an engaging and fulfilling experience for our apprentice apprentices so that was a big challenge to kind of you know deliver all of that material virtually and still keep it interesting and did you manage do you feel like you managed to do it in the end yeah, we did actually. We did. Um, we we recently surveyed them um, because we wanted to uh, understand what their experience was like, and mm-hmm. from them has been absolutely phenomenal in terms of the that initial training, the grounding that it gave them. They understand that we were heavily reliant on virtual platforms, um, but it doesn't seem to have affected their experience. You know, they're we haven't lost any of them. You know, we're mm-hmm. not 
in, they're all still with us. And so I think, you know, if that, that's probably the best indication that they are, that they're enjoying their experience. And you say, obviously, Paula, that you yourself, you know, are a relative newcomer to, yeah. to Northern Ireland Water. Tell us a little bit about the role that you do now, but perhaps as importantly, that journey that you took, if you like, from school onwards to end up doing this role that you're in now of, of learning and, and engagement for Northern Ireland Water. Sure. Um, so my role is head of learning and engagement within the human resources function. Um, mm -hmm. Within that, I have two teams um, that report up to me. One is our learning and development team um, that is based at our learning and development centre in normal times. Um, uh, we're all working from home um, pretty much, although we are looking, as you say, towards a, a return to a hybrid working model uh, after Christmas. Uh, however, yes, so one of my teams is learning and development, um, and that's really important because um, Primarily, we want to ensure that our people are kept safe in their jobs, and there is a lot of mandatory health and safety training that we mm -hmm. provide our people with just to make sure, you know, these are the people that are up trees and down tunnels and working with chemicals and, you know, it can be dangerous, so we need to make sure that um, our people are first and foremost kept safe in their jobs, so there's a huge health and safety focus here at Northern Ireland Water, um, and our training team um, make sure, uh, deliver all of that health and safety training. But they also deliver management development training, um, professional skills, um, the more kind of softer side of, um, of elements of development. We're running a Develop You campaign this, this month, for example, which is all about focusing on your own development and owning your own development. So it takes people through like, you know, how to write a CV. A lot of our recruitment is internal. You know, we do 80% uh, of our roles are filled internally. So therefore, we're helping people to, you know, make sure their CV is the best it can be, put them through interview skills training to help them brand themselves and market themselves to, to kind of get where they want to be and realize their full potential. So that's something that we do within learning and development. And then we also are responsible for entry level strategy. So that's our apprentices, our graduates, our placement students. We look after that. So that's on the learning and development side of things. And then... My other team is the culture and engagement team, and that's on the cultural side of things, what, what it's like to work here and trying to support our ambitions to make Northern Ireland Water a great place to work. And what falls under culture engagement are things like um, our, our listening strategies. So I've mentioned the surveys, the engagement surveys, the um, cultural assessments, the apprenticeship surveys, you know, the listening strategies that are really key, um, our monthly frontline focus groups, um, all of that, just making sure that we understand what people need and what people want. So we look after that. We also look after corporate values. We're in the middle of a big program rolling out the behaviours associated with our values to be sure that everybody understands what's expected of them in relation to our corporate values. But we also look after diversity and inclusion. Um, mm -hmm and a range of um, communication, HR communications as well. So um, it, is a, it is a pretty busy team, um, a very busy job, but so, so interesting. So really um, no two days are the same, very, very interesting. And I'm very lucky to work with a fantastically talented and passionate, motivated bunch of people. And, you know, it's, it's great. We spend so much of our time at work and it's a great feeling when you're working with a team that are really energized and that you know are really talented and are just showing up every day to actually do the, the best job that they can possibly do. And that really stimulates creativity, innovation, you know, trying to trying to learn from each other, trying to develop each other. So I am very, very fortunate with the people that I work with. That's the and did you have, and yeah, I was gonna ask about the sort of journey there. You presumably 
I mean, I, I don't know whether people have career plans on human resources or I, mean, I certainly didn't plan to become an accountant when I was at school. What were you thinking you were going to do when you were at school, Paula? And then how did it work through? Yeah, do you know what? I, I always I always kind of had an interest in business. And I know that's very broad and very general, but it always interested me. But I didn't know what aspect of business to go into. Even to this day, The Apprentice is my favorite TV program. You know, I, I still, <laughs> still have such a, an interest in it. I just find it really fascinating. You know, I suppose more from the human behavioral element is really as opposed to anything else. But um, I was always interested in business. So from school, I um, went, I did a, a business studies degree. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, um, but I wanted a good, broad um, grounding. Mm-hmm. And that definitely gave me that. It gave me a good, solid background on which to specialize. And it was going through that four-year degree that I really started to get more of an interest in human resources, um, working with people. You know, I've always been a bit of a people person. People fascinate me. Human behavior fascinates me. And I just kind of felt like, you know, this is a really, really interesting line of work. So from uni, I did a master's degree in human resources management from the University of Limerick, which is completely the other end of Ireland from, mm-hmm. from my original degree. But fantastic experience um, going there and, be, and, and studying there. And then my first jobs out of uni were really in um, actually hotel management. So I worked in hotels as a HR manager for a number of years. Um, and again, really... Um, d- brilliant experience you know really uh different different um insights different no two days the same you never really knew what was coming at you every day but it was the best way to learn um I had that grounding after I'd finished um my studies I came back to Belfast and then worked again in hotels for a while before going into HR consultancy and then eventually I moved to work for a large American technology firm um Mm -hmm. starting up in Belfast at that time and they had really ambitious growth plans so it was very exciting to be part of that so I kind of went in like um as a human resources uh, a minister uh, administrator at that at that point in time and just worked my way up as the company grew it's now one of the biggest IT companies in Northern Ireland mm-hmm. um, and so I had brilliant experience there. I worked there for 18 years and worked my way up um, and eventually held a number of strategic HR roles moved about a lot in terms of um, different areas of HR um, to get that experience. So that really kind of brought me up to two years ago um, when the opportunity to work for Northern Ireland Water came my way. And I just felt at that point, you know what, I was at a bit of a crossroads and um, I felt like, you know, this, this, this is a brilliant opportunity to work for a company that had just such such heart you know such sense such a sense of purpose was really on the cusp of a lot of change a lot of cultural change and mm-hmm. I think that would be a really good fit for my skills and my experience and that opportunity just to come and be part of that change and work and to work for such a, a worthwhile organization just um really excited me and you're just ready for that next challenge by the sound yeah. of it as well absolutely I was I've been in my last company a long time um, and whilst it, whilst it was great, I was, it was just the right time of my life that it came to me and um, I, I went for it. Brilliant. And if, so if you were, you know, talking to maybe much younger Paula, I don't know, maybe, maybe a little Paula who's on that water bus today, 
um what sort of what advice do you think you'd give yourself you know you you're obviously right in the middle of your career a long way to go but what advice do you think you'd give yourself about choices and opportunities that that you think might help you know it's kind of the advice that I give to my kids you know now um they're eight and eleven um so really it's the to try and the, the being being different is good you know and to try and embrace that and, and stand out from the crowd you know don't be afraid to put your head above the parapet and really just um do something that makes you unique be yourself um and it's mm-hmm. okay if that if that doesn't go with the crowd you know that's what makes you different so I always tell my my kids to believe in themselves you know and not to mm-hmm. not follow the crowd do what they think do what they think is right do what they want to do you know follow their their own hearts and, and not be too heavily influenced by other people um because i just think you know back to that old adage of comparison is the thief of joy i really believe in that you've got to see mm-hmm. you know and you, you've got to you've got to be the master of your your own destiny and nobody can do that for you you've got to do that yourself i think that's a brilliant place to finish it's a fantastic it's fantastic thought and it is really about about emphasizing that you know you don't always choose almost what happens to you in life that's impossible of course but you can choose how you respond to it and there's a lot of it that is about the decisions that we all make as people and I think it's a really good challenge to sort of say actually there's a lot of this that that we are in control of and that's really really empowering and Paula Graham of Northern Isle Water it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the podcast I am so pleased but also relieved that water boss is out there again <laughs> doing its thing um and all the work that you're doing in schools it is as you say absolutely crucial and I think it doesn't just help children and young people understand about if you like, how precious water is as part of their environment I think it makes those points far more generally about the world around them and taking care of them taking care of it so it's been a pleasure having you on we're absolutely delighted that you're part of the leveling up goals work and and i think people listening to it to this can kind of hear about why it matters to you so so much and so clearly so thank you very much thank you for having me justine